Welcome, everybody, to Professor Lab's podcast. And today we are joined by the amazing, wonderful Christina Lusenko, who is an assistant professor in the program in writing and rhetoric at Stony Brook University. Her research and teaching interests include feminist history and history historiography. I can't even say that. That's that's how impressive that is. Early modern woman's rhetoric and writing, autobiographical narrative, and disability and critical health studies. And as she says, she is getting better at keeping plants alive as well. Uh, so very multifaceted, very talented, and I'm so excited. And thank you so much for uh, coming on. I've been wanting to have you on since I decided to do an education podcast. I am so excited. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. And um, yeah, hello. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is because one of the, I think, most important elements uh, for teaching writing for me, at, you know, I think at all levels and certainly the the college level where so many students are focused on the professional aspect of their educations and the professional application of a lot of what they're studying and how they can apply those skills to the real world. And so that's something that we were talking about before. And I wanted to talk about more today on this episode is exactly that and particularly um, what I would say you are the expert on, uh, which is a personal statement or personal essay or personal narrative. So I was just wondering, starting out, if you, you know, maybe have some thoughts in general on, you know, first of all, maybe defining like what is a, a personal statement? Yeah, well, it, I mean, I I don't know if I would call myself an expert, but I, I definitely enjoy reading personal essays and personal narratives, and I, I enjoy teaching the class. So, so in the program in writing and rhetoric, we teach a class called, or we offer a class called the personal essay and it's an upper division course. Um, and it's, it's, it's a really popular course. And I think it's popular because, you know, in the class we, um, we talk about and students can draft and workshop the personal statement for, med school, dental school, you know, law school, any, you know, whatever kind of professional next step they're, they're looking to. And, um, you know, it is such a, it is such a high stakes essay and it's such a, um, you know, it's, it's a real, um, you know, it's a really important essay for students to write, but, you know, I try to get them to really think about the statement or the personal statement in a, in a few different ways. Like all semester, we, we're reading and writing personal essays. And so I start with um, Philip Lopate has this great collection called The Art of the Personal Essay. And I mean, it's, a, it's an overview from, you know, Seneca to, you know, Montaigne, so like the father of the personal essay, through, you know, more like recent examples. And um, he has an introduction to that, that anthology that I really like because it, it's a sort of, um, it kind of defines some of the qualities or traits of the personal essay because it's such a slippery genre, you know, it's, it's, it, 
like in terms of form and style. So, so he, he sort of gives um, a few different like qualities or traits. And so students and I, we talk about that and we, you know, and we, and then throughout the semester when we're reading personal essays, we see whether or not those traits map onto what we're looking Mm. at. So some of them are, you know, like conversational tone. Um, Some of them are, you know, some of another trait is a kind of honesty. Um, The, the intimacy between the writer and the reader, um, a kind of humility, you know, not taking oneself too seriously. Those are some like, you know, being kind of um, giving, you know, allowing for sort of a kind of um, contrarity, like, so, so in terms of maybe going against the grain of, you know, kind of commonplace conventional ideas and also contradicting yourself even sometimes within the essay. So, so there's a lot of really interesting, and I like that, that introduction because I think it, it, it's kind of expansive and capacious and it gives us a lot to think about. Um, and, you know, so, so yeah, so that's where we, that's where we start. So I would say, um, you know, I don't know. I find that to be that that's a good place to start. And then we read a bunch of essays over the course of the semester and students write essays not related to the personal statement yet. We, we I sort of just have them do a lot of quick writes. They do um, they do every class period. We do these quick writes and then they write essays. And so I'm just getting them to kind of prime the well a little bit, you know, yeah, just sure. getting them to really just just kind of loosen up and get them to really think about, you know, in touch with like, you know, description or memory or all of that kind of stuff. And then, um, and then when they get to the personal statement, I feel like then we can talk about how that personal statement can be both for the readers, but also for themselves, you know, like in, and that's really tricky. That's one of the trickiest things that that I think I try to navigate and I do navigate in this class because what you talked what you said was that you know it it is this high stakes genre and and it's sort of this professional, you know, it's part of this professional application and so they know that that they're being assessed, you know, through this through this essay. Um, but at the same time another really important you know, quality or trait of the personal essay is, is a kind of surprise or insight that the writer comes to through the essay. And I tell them that that really has to be authentic, you know, that like, it's like that, you know, Robert Frost wrote, um, I always get this quote wrong, but it's no surprise in the writer, no surprise in the reader. Mm no, no tears in the writer, no tears in the reader. So it's like, if that insight, or if that revelation, if they can come to it through writing the essay, and it's, it's an authentic revelation, then they've gotten a benefit, like they've grown from from the writing, so that it's not simply only primarily this, you know, this essay that, um, 
you know, is, is being assessed in this certain way, but that really there's more to it because they've learned something. They've, they've truly learned something about like what they want to do or why they want to go into medicine or, you know, so, you know, I, I try to, but it's hard to balance because at the same time they are being assessed, Mm -hmm. you know, they are being, you know, um, evaluated and it is a sort of, you know, it is a kind of gatekeeping essay at the same time. Mm. So, so, you know, there's a lot of kind of tensions, um, around it, but we, you know, we talk about all of those, uh, all of those tensions, which, which I think, um, you know, is, is useful too. Yeah. You, you know, you say so many, uh, you made so many great points there that I totally, um, find myself really thinking about even, I, you know, one of the things I, I think about is that at essentially I can't think of a writing class that I've taught where it doesn't come up the idea of, you know, some sort of personal reflection and, and the value of it. You know, even if you're, you're doing other types of writing, it's like, one of the things I like to start with in uh, freshman composition is personal narrative for these exact reasons about, you know, perspective and awareness and, you know, understanding yourself in order to understand others and to understand like who the audience is and what they might think as well and how they mm-hmm. might reflect too. And when I think about, you know, the more technical aspect of that, which would be, I guess, cover letter writing for, you know, my, my undergrads in particular, um, I always tell them, I'm like, you know, if you're going to learn one thing in this course, even a, a, you know, writing 102, you know, freshman composition course, I'm like, we're going to spend a couple of days talking about cover letters, you know, not even because it's like necessarily the, the core part of the class, but because from a practical standpoint, this is the most important piece of writing you might ever have to do, right? Um, you know, if you can figure out how to write a cover letter and that gives you an edge, obviously, in an application over somebody else, that's what you're going to need to do in order to, you know, get on your, your, your career path or continue on your career path, whatever stage you're at. So yeah, for me, you know, this type of personal reflection is, is not just useful, but it's, it's vital. And I think it's, it's actually really important, especially at something like the freshman composition level, you know, by the time my 300 level classes, they sort of know, and then like, they want to do well with it. So the challenge becomes more so for them, like, well, how do I accomplish some of these other elements in terms of being both formal and professional, but at the same time, distinguishing myself from everybody else so that I don't just look like another robot. And that's a very fine and very tricky balance. I think along the lines of, you know, a lot of what you were pointing out, how do you um, really uh, establish that voice and, and balance it with those other elements? Whereas the freshman, I'm using it more to show them you know, not just the practical relevance and importance of this type of writing, but again, how, you know, you can really learn something about yourself and how to try to convince others of something too. So it's interesting, I feel like how th- this idea of like personal essay or personal reflection and how that manifests for in the classes I use it as cover letters, how there's benefits. And I think, uh, you know, I- ideally students realize those benefits just in different ways at different stages. And I think it speaks to, you know, that as a broader genre um, the importance of that in at all levels of, uh, you know, the student's education, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, you know, there are so many kind of moments in our lives where we're, where we could stand a pause and to kind of take stock of, of, of where we've been and, 
you know, um, where we want to go, where we see ourselves, all of that kind of stuff. And, and I mean, you know, the personal statement asks you to do that. And, and to some degree, I think the cover letter too, you know, the cover letter is, you know, it's, it is, it is a, you know, like a highly structured kind of genre. Um, but, but even within that, I think knowing how to, knowing the expectations of the genre, yeah. I think knowing, you know, where there's room to, um, you know, kind of sound like yourself, you know, while sounding professional, mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously, but I think that that's, that's a place that you can do that in the, in the, in the cover letter and the personal statement, um, in that, you know, in, in that way, more so than like the resume or, yes. you know, like your transcript or, mm-hmm. you know, these other, these are other, like, in a way they're kind of like autobiographical, um, records, yeah. you know, but, but like, you know, the letter is a place where you can kind of sound like yourself and like the personal, the personal statement too. And, and like I tell my students, like with the personal statement, it's a way for readers to um, to see how you think, mm. you know, to see how you make sense of experiences that happened to you. So you're not just I like that. narrating. Yeah, you're yeah. not just saying that this happened, but you're also you're you're interpreting why it matters, you know, like what is the meaning? And so it it allows readers to really think. Uh, to, to see like how you think. And in, in that way, I think, um, yeah, that's, that's also really useful. Yeah. You, you said a couple of things there that really ring true with me in, in all the types of classes that I teach. And, you know, this idea, I think I even write it somewhere on my syllabus where I say that, I mean, I say two things early on in my syllabus. I say, well, I say three things. The first of which is read the syllabus uh, because if you don't and you say, I didn't know that, you you get nothing. And then I have a link to that scene from Willy Wonka where he yells at, you know, Charlie for you get nothing. Good day, sir. Uh, so that's the first thing on my syllabus, actually. The second thing is I say, um, stop thinking about writing in terms of right or wrong or good and bad. Think about it in terms of uh, more effective or not as effective. And then yeah. the third thing I write is that uh, strong writing is a reflection of strong thinking. And showing yeah. that to your readers, which is exactly what you were saying, you know, really demonstrating to your audience, you know, a, a very clear sort of identification of how you make sense of things. Um, and I, I think, again, that that ability to to express that, you know, especially at the uh, the cover letter uh, or with the cover letters we do, I, I think is huge. And, you know, I, I have worked on personal statements as well, uh, just with like you know, a lot of, uh, some, sometimes alumni will even contact me and they'll be like, Hey, can you take a look at this? Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm always like excited that they're coming back to me, but it's because they had such good experiences with the cover letters, you know? Um, and even, um, you know, I have friends who have come to me and they say, yeah, like I'm applying to, uh, you know, a residency program or something or fellowship. And, you know, they want me to write a, a two to three page personal statement. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, what's your, what's your thoughts on that? And they're like, I think it's important and I want to do it right. You know? (laughs) And I'm like, okay, well we can, we can start from there. So, um, yeah, I just think it's interesting how there's so many, there's such a demand for this in, in a practical sense that, you know, the fact that just outside of school, just people I know will contact me 
and they'll be like, oh, hey, can you, you know, look at this uh, personal statement? And I, and I do think it's interesting, like you were sort of uh, distinguishing, it's like, there is so much value at the different levels of this type of writing, right? It's like the, the you know, the, the one page cover letter, as opposed to, you know, a, a two to three page personal statement. It's like there are very similar, you know, thought patterns in terms of reflections mm -hmm. or reflective abilities that you want to show. But it's worth studying the, the similarities and I think differences between those forms as well, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, and this is the kind of writing that, you know, many of us, most of us will be doing for a really long time, you know, I mean, yeah. that, that cover letter and that resume, I mean, those are like living documents, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, you'll, you'll adapt them and you'll change them, but you know, they, you know, that they, they're always sort of, they're always changing, but you're not necessarily, you know, scrapping them and starting with entirely new, you know, information or new, you don't have a new education or a new, you know, like, so you, you're, so you're always kind of growing and expanding and, um, emphasizing maybe something different. Um, so yeah, I mean, those are the kinds of documents that even beyond school, um, will, will always be working on. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, it, that's so funny to hear you say that because I almost literally, literally say the same things to my, my classes, because uh, to, to work on cover letters, obviously, it makes sense to talk about at least and work a little bit on resumes, right? Um, and in fact, it's kind of vital, I think, to, to drawing those connections and elaborating on those those details from one document to the other. Um, but with it, it's, it's funny when I think about, you know, resumes in general, I one of the things I tell my students is that it is a live document. It's not a static document. Uh, for the exact you know reasons that you sort of just identified. And furthermore, what I tell them is the first thing I do at the end of every semester is I go to my you know Google Drive, I open up my resume, and while the semester's still fresh in my mind, and this is true, after I submit grades and I'm like done for the semester, I open up my resume and I since it's still fresh in my mind, I think, all right, is there anything different that I did this semester? Uh, you know, whether, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, I tutored somewhere and I have to add something big. I, I'm like, oh, I forgot to update that. Like I'm working at this tutoring center now or something like that. But more often, it's just that the, the way that I accomplished the those, you know, job duties, maybe I phrase a little bit differently or I emphasize or, or order the points a little bit um, differently. And I tell them that, you know, even if it seems like nothing strikes me off the top of my head, once I sit down and go through that that resume, I've yet to, at the end of the semester, get to the end of the semester and not tweak something. I've yet to look at my resume and say, oh yeah, it's still exactly the same. There's always something, even if it's just, you know, a word or two of phrasing or just how I order points or something like that, or something a little bit different with the format. Sometimes it's technical, sometimes it's, you know, with the content or something like that. But Mm -hmm. I think it speaks to what you're saying about how that reflection is always, if you have it in mind, it's always developing, right? Yeah. And I think also like seeing, working with a document that you, you know, sort of always returning to a document or working from something that you started and then returning to it, say after, you know, a semester or a year, you can see how you've changed or how you've grown. And if you don't yeah. have that record, um, you, you won't be able to, to do that. Or that record allows you to do that. Like right. I have a student right now who I'm working with in 303 and she's, um, 
she's going into a master's program um, for public health, and then she's going to apply to med school. And so she's in her master's program. She's not applying to med school. And so we're working on the personal statement. So she was like, okay, well, what should I do? She's like, I can write the med school personal statement, but I know that in the next year, um, you know, I'll be doing things through my master's program that I will be, you know, I'll want a reference or I'll, you know, so what should I do? And, you know, so, I mean, it, it, it's not uncommon, you know, it's not for the most, mostly I think students who take the class are, you know, are, are working on something that, you know, applying for pretty immediately, but, but this happens every once in a while where a student recognizes they've got a year or two Mm -hmm. and that it'll change. But we were, we were talking through it yesterday. We had like a zoom meeting and we both, you know, had, we had a similar conversation where it was like, well, you know, when we came to, to think that if she writes it, you know, that that's kind of the advice that I gave to her, like, well, why don't you write it now? Why don't you write it Um, and then you'll see how you've changed. I mean, it's not a, I don't think it's like a wasted endeavor, even if she's not actually sending it out. It's, it's a sort of, it's a foundation, um, and it'll allow her to see how she's changed and she can kind of build, build off of that. So, um, yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. That makes so much sense, right. In terms Mm -hmm. of just establishing some of that framework that you can go back to as as sort of a an anchor point or a reference point whatever you you know you you might want to call it um yeah you know i i think you know for various reasons when i when i think about this you know more and more in terms of past success that students have had you know even during the semester i notice um I don't know if it's more frequently or or maybe I'm just like excited by it the more I see it. But I'll have students who, when we work on it, one of the first things they ask me is they're like, oh, can I, because usually the way I set it up is find a job online and write a cover letter like you're applying to a job. And I, I don't know the exact number, but a fair portion of them say, oh, can I really apply to this job? And I'm like, you can do whatever you want. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, in fact, yeah, like use this to your advantage, you know? Um, and I'll have students who they, they get jobs during the semester, you know, whether on campus or, you know, just part-time work or something like that. And so I think doing that is so useful at at so many, uh, as I said earlier, at so many levels, but for so many reasons, because they see and they hear from their classmates that like, oh, this actually got like that guy a job. Like maybe the rest of what this guy's talking about, he's onto something too, <laughs> you know? And that's what I tell them. And and one of the things I wanted to touch upon too is that um, in all my classes, I, I try to do a, a lot more and more what I call, uh, what do I call them? I call them essentially exercises of, of writing relevancy. And so I do what I call like real world writing where it's like, okay, like here's a bunch of my parking ticket appeals you know, requests where it was like, Mm -hmm. these are the reasons why I don't think I should pay this parking ticket. But it gets into all of the ideas that we've talked about, about like, who is your audience? Like, why should they care about what you're saying? And I show them good examples of that and bad examples of that. I have two characters, one called Professor Jekyll and one called Professor Hyde. (laughs) And so I show them one and the other. And the, the one is like really bad and the other's, you know, really good. 
And I say like, yeah, this this worked for me, you know, eight times so far. So that's like hundreds of dollars that you can save, you know, in just your everyday life by just sort of internalizing. It, it seems like I put a bunch of work into this. I'm like, but not really. I put a bunch of work into learning how to do it. And once right. I know how to do it, when I sit down and write a parking ticket appeal, um, I probably shouldn't be advertising that I have so many parking tickets, but I've yet <laughs> to pay a parking ticket because I always appeal them. And I, I'm like eight for knock on wood. I'm like eight for eight, you know, but it's it really is grounded in in these ideas of like who is like I was saying who is your audience you know why should they care about what what you have to say balancing you know tone in in an appropriate professional way you know ideas of you know yourself as a credible source um you know how do you balance any sort of emotional appeal versus the logical reasoning um so it ties directly into these other elements you know ethos logos and pathos are are the big ones that come up right um, that then tie into not just cover letters and, and other, you know, types of personal statements, but all types of writing as well, I think. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think and and I guess that's what, you know, I and I think I do that more in writing 102 with yeah. thinking about those kinds of persuasive appeals. But I mean, your your story about parking, uh, parking appeals, it it brings to mind like um I mean, maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but I will. So Welcome like, to the club. So yeah. So <laughs> so now that you know, so now that we're all homeschooling, um, and we're all you know attending computer school, my you know having to kind of manage um, my own classes, which are going well, I think. Um, but I'm managing my kids' classes, which yeah. I would say are going. Okay, but my one, my younger son, it's not going so great. And partly, I think it's just because the the writing, like all classes now have reading and writing in them, like art, chorus, gym, in addition to everything else. And so it's like the workload is is definitely amping up. So I had to write sort of an appeal letter to the teacher, um, one of the teachers and the principal just to try to convey how challenging this is. And so that was, so, so, but you know, those, they take some time, like you said, like, it's like, I know what I'm doing. Um, but you really have to think of like, what are the most, it's such a line. It's like, I get like these, these teachers are trying so hard. I get it, you know, like, and so I was calling on my own ethos. Like I'm an educator. I know how hard this is. Um, and I get that you're working really hard, but at the same time, like there were things that I needed to convey, um, from the perspective of a parent. So, Mm -hmm. um, so it was a tricky, it was a tricky kind of, uh, email to write, but yeah. So you know those those appeals, those persuasive appeals and rhetorical strategies come into handy all the time. Yeah, and and it's funny you say that too because in in my profession, uh, not uh, the professional writing, the um, technical writing class I do, um, we we talk about business correspondences, and I actually uh, do that a little bit after we start with with cover letters and and get a little bit more into personal statements because then they realize like, oh, this type of you know communication is exactly that it's professional communication and there's so many different um iterations of that where you have like oh good newsletters bad newsletters you know other types of query letters um you know inner office letters and it's like there's a lot of really good examples of how to do that well and a lot of really bad examples and when they start thinking about some of their own experiences even for some of them they're like yeah, I've definitely gotten emails from, you know, bosses or other employees where like was not 
you know, getting the point across or was, you know, just creating divisiveness and miscommunication and all the other issues that come along with, um, you know, not, not developing an aptitude for that type of communication. And again, it ties back into what we were saying earlier, sort of this core concept of like, it's, you know, it comes down to, you know, good writing is, is a reflection of, you know, I mean, good thinking, if we're going to use the word good, which I say never to, to use in writing, but uh, it's a placeholder for all these other elements that we talk about in terms of effectiveness, right? Yes. Agreed. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think if there was anything else I wanted to ask about personal statement. Do you, I guess, you know, one, one other thing I wanted to ask is, I mean, do you have any like general advice? Because I know most people who are listening are, are either students maybe or instru- other instructors, but I, you know, I, I have some, some friends and family who listen as well, who aren't in academia, um, but might have to write these types of, um, you know, uh, letters or statements. So do you have any general, like, you know, or, or specific practical advice that you, you think like, oh, if you, if you listen to anything here or take away anything here, this mm-hmm. is what you should sort of internalize or keep in mind? I mean, I think, I, I guess that there, I'm going to say two things. So one, one thing that I, um, I have students do is I have them identify what they consider a beast personal statement. And I use the word beast because I had a student um, who took 102 with me and then took 303 with me who used that term. Um, <laughs> is that like, and he, like beast mode? Beast. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think it's like beast mode. And he, so I, I'll, his name was Ali. Um, and he actually, he was the student speaker at, he just graduated from med school, Stony Brook Med School, and he was the commencement speaker. And um, oh. we stayed close, like throughout, you know, his undergrad and then throughout med school. And he, um, you know, and I I went to his family's, uh, you know, the the, the party to, to celebrate his graduation. And, oh, wow. um, and he sent me the YouTube clip of his speech. I teared up. I was so impressed just because I had seen this kid as like a first year student in writing 102 through 303 through med school. And here he is like, you know, still a a really gifted, talented, hardworking communicator. Um, And, and so, so, so there are two things. So, so he used the word beast and in, in everything that this kid wrote to me, he, he, he referenced Kanye West, <laughs> which was like one of the, like was one of his trademark, you know, and we always kind of joked about it. And um, in his commencement speech, he mentioned Kanye West. <laughs> so I was like, it's, here it is. It's like coming full circle, you know, coming full um, Kanye. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, so that was a sort of a long digression, but but the beast personal statement is sort of like what you what students see and think of as, you know, a, like a like a sort of exemplary personal statement. And I think it takes them a little while to find that. But that's part of that's sort of the point, too, is that yeah. they have to kind of go online and see what's out there and um, and then identify elements of of that personal statement that they that they like. And and so they'll see that there are a lot of very, there's a lot of variation. There's a lot of um, ways to write the personal statement and what they eventually choose. And then they realize like they've got, you know, they've got choices that they can, they can make. And, um, 
so so they all come together at the you know so then we they all compile um you know their different personal their beast statements so so we you know at a, a certain point in the semester we have like at least 20 or however many that they all share with each other and then we talk about so i think looking at examples um figuring out what you are drawn to and why and figuring out why that's one thing that you could do i think that's pretty useful um and then the other thing is just like writing a lot mm. you know like just writing all the time you know um uh so that's what i ha- that's why i think the class you know works because students are just writing all the time and reflecting all the time so that by the time they get to that statement, they're a little bit more comfortable, you know, with personal writing. And also um, they recognize that, you know, it's, it's a process and that it's going to go through a lot of iterations and, and also not being afraid to share it with each other because that's, that's the other thing because it's so high stakes. I think sometimes they, are reticent to share it because it's like they know how much it means to them. Um, they know how much is riding on it. You know, it's it's a very like loaded genre. But but I think if they can share it with each other and share it with, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say like with as many people as you can, but I think with like people you trust. Yes. Yeah. Um. But but as you know, a few people you trust because then you'll get some different perspectives and you may have people who say very different things almost you know opposing things but then you can you know kind of make a more informed informed decisions as far as revising too yeah i i think that's that all sounds it's it's so great to hear all of this because these are all things that i sort of you know in my own way i i inhabit in in what i think and why I think they're effective. And, you know, it's it's interesting what you were saying about writing more and how I think applying that as advice to the general populace is something that I tell people as well. So so two things that I say that I'm curious just to, to hear what you think about is I tell people, if you want to become a better reflector and communicator, like forget about it again as just writing because people, especially who aren't in school or who, you know, just don't think they have an aptitude for writing, hear that word and they get, you know, anxious or, you know, turned off or whatever. Um, So what I say is you can do two things. One is keep a journal um, just Mm -hmm. to muse and, you know, reflect. And you don't have to show anybody that if you don't want to, obviously. Um, And the other thing is to write letters to friends. And what I say about that as well is do all of this in um, with pen and paper. Don't do this on a computer. And that's not because I'm like, you know, some sort of Luddite, like, you know, these, you know, crazy kids and computers and all that. Obviously, we're (laughs) recording a podcast like I'm into, you know, tech. Um, But I haven't researched enough of it myself, but I'm pretty sure from just my experiences that there's really a value in separating yourself from those technologies. And I find, you know, in general... Um, this is the same reason why if, if I can, when I do, I'd rather have students print essays and have them as physically printed pieces because there's something sort of a little um, less tangible about saying like, well, it's in the cloud. I don't have to worry about it. I'll just, you know, blindly upload it at midnight, you know, uh, from the cloud. Right. Um, but if you have to have something in physical form, it, it inherently feels like it means more. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I've noticed that myself, like I do these things, like I have been writing letters to friends 
um, just on pen and paper and like actually sending it in the mail. And I notice as I'm writing, I'm like, this is like way better than <laughs> my writing. <laughs> writing. Um, and I think it's this detachment from these devices that we we use them for so much else like they're they're not their primary function isn't to you know write fancy reflective letters it's to you know go on spotify and youtube and you know all these other things so that's always in the back of our mind when we're using them and uh, you know it's very hard to just turn all of those off if you can do that then you know that's fine i think but if you're just sitting with a pen and paper you are focused on that like that is what you are doing and i think you wind up learning more and, and being able to reflect a little bit more than you might otherwise be able to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense no, I, or am I completely nuts? No, I think you're, I don't think you're nuts at all. I think you're, I think you're totally spot on. And, and in, in fact, this semester I had students, one of my assignments was a commonplace book. So, mm-hmm. you know, so the, the commonplace book and I, I gave them some, you know, historical context of, of commonplace books from the period, the time period that I'm interested in, which is like early modern kind of 17th century where commonplace books became these repositories where people would, um, you know, write quotes, um, or poetry, not, not only not just original or not even mostly original, but, but, um, you know, quotes or poetry or, you know, anything that resonated with them and they, and they became, um, you know, a place to either think through ideas or, uh, reflect on a theme and, and, you know, over time they kind of evolved to include like drawings and doodles or, you know, um, pasting some flowers or whatever. And so I wanted students just for the reasons that you're articulating to have a kind of not non-digital experience. So I wanted, I asked them to buy one of these, like one of those composition notebooks and I encouraged them to doodle and I encouraged them to just write lists. And, you know, um, so Linda Berry is this, um, like comics artist and graphic, uh, artist who I really admire. And she has some great, um, kind of how to guides to, um, to, to like drawing and, and note taking and, and the way in which like what you're describing, which is the way in which our, our creativity and our imagination is connected to like our bodies and the way that we write with our hands and the Mm. way that we draw as opposed to, you know, in, on computers and, you know, of course, like once we went digital, that whole, that whole, you know, my whole concept kind of went out the window, but, but I told students that they should continue to do it. And they're like taking pictures, they could take pictures of what they're doing and, and send them to me in that way. Um, but yeah, I think we, we do, you know, I think it's important to retain that experience of, drawing and writing with the hand yeah it's funny you say that as well because i still have um journals that i have the students keep where they do um you know prompts and reflections like in class Uh, and i require it that it's a physical journal that they hand in at the end of the semester and for similar reasons and i noticed that when i i've had to do an e-journal this semester because everything's been you know shifted online and they they look like it's just another job like they're just you know writing whatever but when you get the physical journals there's doodles 
you know, there's all sorts of wacky things going on. And I'm like, cool, this is this is fantastic, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I absolutely I, that's I, I wasn't as familiar with with everything that you were saying there in terms of the historical context. So that's fascinating. Um, and I, I think that, you know, speaks to to everything that, that we've been talking about, um, essentially. So that's really cool. That's really interesting. Um, but yeah, uh, so I, I guess we'll wrap it up because, um, you know, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> We're done. We solved all the world's problems. I think so. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, no, I mean, this is, this has been fantastic really. Thank yeah. Thank you so much. I wish we could have you, um, uh, in studio in person. So maybe we can do that, um, you know, in a, in a future episode, but you know, for now, obviously the remote works fine, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, and so, uh, you know, that's that's all I want to say in terms of, uh, I, I think, again, this type of writing, um, you know, it's important to everybody, whether or not you are in school or not. So hopefully, um, you know, some of this advice uh, speaks to you if you're listening, um, whether you're in school or not, and, you know, can help you at some point, uh, I think. And, you know, just the one final point I'll mention is that I had a student one semester who was like, well, I don't need to, he actually told me, he's like, I don't need to know this because I, I, I'm almost directly quoting because I'm getting my dad's business. So I'm never going to need to apply for a job. And I said, really, is that so? And he said, yeah. I said, um, well, how are you going to know who to hire? And he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I assume you're going to hire, right? And he's like, well, yeah, I'll be in charge. And I was like, well, how are you going to tell the difference between a cover letter for somebody that you want to interview and not? And he's like, huh? And I was like, yeah, you should still study it, you know, and resumes and know what to look for. Right. And he's like, oh, yeah, I guess so. And I was like, all right, like we're done here. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I tried. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, uh, yeah. So thank you guys for listening. Um, thank you so much to uh, Christina Lusenko for stopping by. Like I said, we hope to have you uh, in the real studio uh, one day. Um one day soon, uh, hopefully. Uh, but you can check out more of our episodes if you're listening, wherever you're listening. You can find us uh, our, on our main site. That's professorlabs.podbean.com. There's also episodes up on YouTube. You can just search for Professor Labs on YouTube. You can tweet at us as well if you have questions or comments. Um, you can tweet at me directly, at Joe T. Labs. Uh, just try to be nice because uh, we know how Twitter goes sometimes. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. And until next time, uh, write well, work on those personal statements. And as I always say, keep learning. <laughs>